online, on Radio Player, and on 106.6 FM. This is Wickham Sound, the Wickham Wanderers Show. Welcome along to the Wickham Wanderers Show. It's an historic evening because it's the evening after the first uh, evening that fans were allowed back in Adams Park. A crowd of 1,000 were at the game last night, and Bob was there as well. What an evening it was. It was a truly emotional uh, and, and just remarkable experience. Uh, I wasn't quite sure how much of an atmosphere 1,000 fans would make, but they really, really did uh, make such a difference yesterday. Uh, and, and hats off to them for making as much noise as they could, and also hats off to the club as well for arranging it all and making sure that it ran totally smoothly. Logistically, it must have been so tricky to kind of coordinate and, and get the fans in that were eligible and, and get in touch with fans if, if, if you didn't, you know, weren't, weren't able to take up your allocation that you, you were entitled to. Yeah, and I, I thought they were fantastic in the fact that they were still contacting fans yesterday late afternoon, uh, try, just trying to make sure that actually a thousand fans did get in. Uh, Gareth Ainsworth acknowledging the support as well. More on that. We'll hear from the manager after that game and also after Saturday's draw with Derby, which was quite uh, quite a good achievement as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we went up to uh, Pride Park uh, and managed to get a point against Wayne Rooney's Derby, uh, as they're now known, in the same way that John Craven always used to be John Craven's news round. It always has to be Wayne Rooney's Derby. Uh, but I thought we did very well, actually. Uh, you know, because they're, they're, as Gareth says, they're not as bad as the table suggests. Uh, and they did put up a very good fight now but Wickham were, were equal to them and definitely deserved a point and uh, also a goal from Matt Bloomfield well it was sort of a bit controversial as to whether it oh, was yeah, goal no it was his goal definitely definitely and we'll hear from Mr Wickham this evening as well uh, also coming up we'll hear from former Wickham Wanderers striker Keith Samuels who uh, in the 60s well 63 to 70 to be precise uh, played nearly 250 appearances scoring 115 goals for the club and we are going to hear from Ian Wills uh, from Wills and the Willing. They are the band that Gareth has joined um, to record a Christmas single called Drawing Straws. Uh, Colin spoke to him, um, so we, we will be hearing uh, a little bit of the song and the interview as well about how that collaboration came about. Patter checks on drums as well. That's very impressive, isn't it? <laughs> It's, it's the, the footballing all-stars. <laughs> so, yeah, fantastic. Uh, so uh, lots to cover for you uh, this evening. Uh, between 7 and 8 of a Thursday, it's the Wickham Wanderer Show. But uh, only one place to start, and we must say a very big hello to you if you were one of the 1,000 that was at Adams Park last hello. night. Hopefully you can hear yourself there. And just tell us how it felt to be uh, back at Adams Park with supporters. It, it just felt great. Um, and, and just... It, it felt so unusual because I think actually those of us who have been lucky enough to go to the games over the past several months, uh, you, you do get quite accustomed to going along in the same way that if you're a sporter who regularly uh, used to go to reserve matches that we complained, you know, it, it, the atmosphere was very much like that actually at games um, before the supporters were allowed back where you could hear everything that happened. You could hear the players, you could hear the referee. And last night, you know, even though there were only a thousand, it was just like having all of the fans back. Um, albeit, you, you know, they weren't obviously all sitting next to each other, but the amount of noise that was generated was fantastic. Um, it's slightly odd that obviously the, actually the most noise was then coming from the town end uh, rather than the Valley Terrace. Normally, of course, all of the noise for Wickham would be coming from the Valley Terrace, but actually it was swapped around last night. Uh, and I do wonder whether actually Gareth is going to start taking that into account uh, when they decide which end they want to be attacking in the second half. Um, because I think attacking the empty terrace in the second half as we did last night possibly uh you know that that might not last we we might change that i know it's tradition but i think we might change that for a little while until fans are actually allowed back on the terrace and so much media interest in the game as well which must have made it a little more special <laughs> as well it, it was quite amazing beforehand that actually for a little while it did seem like there were more people trying to get interviews with fans than there were fans coming into the stadium uh, there were so many people there there was so we had sky there was talk sport we had uh, the bbc were there last night uh you know there were lots and lots of media organisations all with cameras and with microphones all wanting to get the, the word of the fans uh, about how it felt um, and you know to, 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 to a person they all just said you know oh it's just fantastic you know people have missed it so much just that experience of going to a football match um, so much so that actually when Stoke City came out uh, they came out slightly before the chairboys and obviously things are very different these days so they don't all come out together and they come out from different areas of the ground um, you know it, it, even the Wickham fans gave 
gave Stoke City a, a, a small round of applause. You know, and only in the way that maybe sort of like if you were at a county championship match and somebody hit a fall that you might give a, a small round of applause. But it was still noticeable that actually the opposition got a small round of applause as they came out, which I've never, ever heard at a football match before. Definitely wouldn't have been the case at the end, uh, particularly considering that actually, you know, they, they decided that it would be a good idea to celebrate their goal right in front of the town end. Um, and, and, you know, the player who scored it cupping his ear to the Wickham fans, that definitely didn't do anything uh, to, to cement the friendship between ourselves uh, and, and our Staffordshire uh, neighbours. Uh, but no, definitely, you know, it, it, it was lovely. The, all of that was just nice. Gareth walking around the pitch at the uh, just before kickoff, that again was such an emotional moment. Really, really nice uh, because clearly the fans haven't seen him since the team got promoted. Uh, and he went out to applaud them uh, and they, to a man, stood up and applauded him back. Let's get Gareth's thoughts after the game. Uh, speaking to Bob. Again, one of those nights tonight where you feel, well, you know, a couple of decisions, if they'd gone our way, then, then we would have got a point. You know, I, I obviously don't want to go on about that, but I thought the endeavour and, and, and the, the desire and the attitude and the commitment of the boys probably deserve something tonight. And uh, and we just didn't get that decision at the end there. The handball, I think we've probed and we've passed and we've crossed and we've shot. And it just was that little bit of quality that was missing right at the end. We've got it. I mean, McCleary and, and Horgan, two players I brought in who raised the level of what we are. You know, Fred, again. Again, one of his best games so far in the championship. David Wheeler flying, fly Kashka, I can find with, you know, that front six, Samuel. I thought they were outstanding. Um, I know the defenders have done well, and the, and the way we played tonight, I thought we got some identity back of of uh, playing without Akin Fenwa and then playing with Akin Fenwa. We're going to cause team, teams problems, you know. There's going to be some games where we're going to be out of it. There's going to be some fantastic teams in this league, and we're going to get beat, like we did at Blackburn. But the more games we can have like tonight, I think we uh, we increase our chances of being a championship side next season, and that's uh, that's all I want. And I think, to be fair to you, you know, we've played a decent number of games now. We've played Norwich, we've played Watford, and we've competed in all of those games. There's only been one Blackburn so far. <laughs> there has, yeah. And it's, it's incredible. It's my hometown and the same I support. But it's uh, it's coming, you know. There's going to be a run of games coming. I'm sure that we're going to pick a lot of points up. Um, just so proud of the boys, proud of the efforts. Just said to them tonight was probably the difference was James McLean has, has picked out somebody with a pearl of a cross at the back stick, unmarked, we just didn't do that tonight. We we put some balls in that got cleared easy or we just didn't reach or the goalkeeper plucks it out of the sky. We're going to get there. We're going to work hard on that because uh, I'm really pleased with the way we played. The identity's back, like I say, and uh, looking forward to pressing on Saturday now. There was a lovely moment where you came out before the game uh, and all of the fans basically got on their feet and gave you a round of applause. I, I can't thank them enough, you know, that... Um, this club means so much to me, you know, from when I signed back in 2009 on loan and then 10 permanent and just, just um, you know, it's just part of me. It's the longest I've spent at any any club ever in my career and uh, and I, I'll never, ever thank the fans enough for what they've done for me, supported me in some real dark days uh, and I'm glad that the faith they've shown in me has been repaid with this moment of... At least 1,000 of them getting in and watching Championship football. It's just, it's just crazy to say that Wickham Wanderers are in the Championship and competing as well. Not, not points, definite points when you come to Wickham or when you play Wickham. It's definite points. If you're going to beat us, you're going to have to work really hard. And uh, a couple of the Stoke players told me after the game, you keep playing like that, you'll be absolutely fine. Really pleased. And Preston on Saturday, another club that means a lot to you. Yeah, of course. My debut back in 1991, I think. Uh, uh, long, long time ago. Um, I'm sure Preston fans and, and Preston players will know what to expect because uh, that's what I did when I played. Um, but again, I watched them last night at Bournemouth. They're a very good outfit. Alex Neal's a, a very good manager. Um, and uh, we're going to have to be at our best as we are in every game this season. But there's there's over 90 points still to play for in this league. Um, we, we don't even need half of them to stay up. And I'm sure we've got enough in the tank to... Uh, to survive and play championship football next season too. It's easy to forget, isn't it, that, uh, that, that Gareth played against Wickham for Preston at Wembley. In, in the playoff final, yeah. Yeah, as, um, as a youngster. Yes, I know that that is surprising. Um, I I thought he was doing himself down a lot um, last night, where he was then saying that bit about you know, well, yes, there are going to be games where you know where we're going to have what happened at Blackburn happen again. Um, and I think well, well, you know, hang on, we are you know we are now 
half the at least half the way through half of the games, if you see what I mean. Yes. And there's only been one Blackburn so far, and we have played. You know, we played Reading when they were top of the table. Uh, we played Watford. We played Norwich. You know, we we have played some of the big teams, uh, and we've we've done okay. So you know, I completely appreciate what he's trying to say and why he was saying it but at the same time uh, you know it, it's not as if I know that we went on the you know the seven game losing run but in each of those games apart from maybe Blackburn and possibly I'd say the Swansea game as well you know we competed in all of the other ones um, and you know and that's not bad going considering the teams that are in this division you know Stoke last night that had something like 500 worth of, of premiership experience on the bench on the bench uh, whereas we had to recall two of our, our uh, sort of like B-team low knees, uh, if you like, just to make sure that actually we could have uh, the nine players that you're now allowed on the bench. So that you know, that's the difference. That's what we're up against, and we're competing. And really nice as well for Gareth to be told that uh, from opposing players that they should yeah. be okay if they if they keep to that level. Yeah, I mean, you know, that, it's always an easy thing I think probably to say when you've won, but it is good to hear. Um, and definitely, yes, and Michael O'Neill as well, the Stoke manager, was also you know very very complimentary about Wickham as well. And it must have meant so much to the players last night to be back in front of supporters as well. Yeah, you could completely see it. You know, they, they were absolutely uh, again. You know, everyone just smiled last night. Uh, you know, for, for, uh, until about sort of like half time. You know. Just the novelty of being there, it just meant that everybody had a big grin on their face. Uh, once the second half got going, maybe, you know, and particularly once some of the refereeing decisions kept going against us, uh, you know, it, it started to feel uh, a bit more familiar. Uh, but yeah, it, it was just fantastic. Um, the players, a lot of them then tweeted uh, yesterday after the game uh, just about what it meant. Um, uh, Bayo saying, it's such an amazing feeling to have some of our fans back at Adams Park tonight. Shame that we couldn't get the result that we were hoping for, but we go again together we got this he says uh, Anthony Stewart saying great to have our fans back in thank you for your patience hopefully we will reward you with a win soon because we don't accept losing and we will be back fighting on Saturday for sure uh, Scott Cashgett saying gutted with the result tonight uh, but so happy to have the fans back in the stadium seeing and hearing them for the first time in months makes you realise how much they've been missed uh, and JJ saying what a feeling having some fans back tonight gutted we didn't get the result that we wanted but 1000 of you made a huge difference we can't wait to have Adams Park full and rocking again and looking forward to seeing 2,000 of you soon um, so just you know you can just hear I think in those tweets what it meant to the players really nice to hear as well and there are also plans uh, I know from a, a task force whoever they are uh, to say that uh, there are discussions underway to allow more and more supporters in as well I know uh, that obviously you can have up to 2,000 in tier 2 and then that's that's looking to be built up over the weeks as well yes yeah and then 4,000 I think in tier 1 so yes, so yes you know it, it's definitely all going in the right direction uh, Pete Kuhig also tweeted last night saying I thought I knew how much I missed you all uh, I underestimated it it was so good to have you back in your home very emotional at points in the night can't wait to get more in at Adams Park when we go again versus Coventry Thank you for doing it exactly as we all knew that you would. Uh, again, you know, uh, emotion. I think was the was the the main theme of the evening. Um, a couple of tweets from from journalists who were present. So Phil McNulty, who is um, the chief sports writer over at the BBC, uh, saying great night at Adams Park, superbly organised by the club with one thousand supporters. Even the referee didn't seem to mind having the fans jeering at him. Very special to have an atmosphere created by passionate support once more. Um, and Jake Humphrey from BT Sport also saying Wickham tonight made me slightly emotional which I thought was rather nice definitely and it must be so nice for everyone connected with behind the scenes at the club as well to sort of show off the ground if you like come and see our new digital boards and the new floodlights and it's turning into a championship ground yes and I, I think also nice of them to to still realize actually what it means to us and to be treating us as you know the the big story last night uh, you know I know that the, the story was well fans were allowed into to six other grounds but actually the main attention seemed to be on us last night because actually it was the first time that fans had seen us in the championship so you know we appreciated the the exposure i think that we got last night and i think we you know we we completely rose up to what was expected of us you know it, it really couldn't have gone any better still to come on the wickham wanderer show we'll hear from the man behind a charity single which gareth ainsworth has lent his vocals to uh, we'll get some uh, post-match reaction from the derby game on saturday as well and we'll be talking to keith samuels next this is wickham sound 
Second part of the Wickham Wanderers show still to come. We'll be hearing, as I say, from uh, Wickham manager Gareth Ainsworth once again and Mr. Mr. Wickham himself, uh, Matt Bloomfield as well. I'd like to say a big hello to Wickham Wanderers ladies uh, who we think are on their way to training uh, as they are every Thursday night um, and congratulations to them as well because they returned to action for the first time last night um, since the second lockdown. They met Penn ladies in a friendly and they only went and won 9 nil. Uh, Lindsay Pinker scoring a hat-trick so congratulations to the chair girls. Yeah, their uh, season resumes uh, next Saturday. I think it's, no, Sunday. It's the, the 14th? Uh, yes, that, uh, that, that would be about right. Away at Abingdon, I believe. Meanwhile, though, uh, cast our minds back. Well, I say our minds. I wasn't born for this. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I think I'm the same. If, if you're older, cast your mind back to uh, uh, the early 60s, sometime after the uh, the Amateur Cup uh, final appearance in 1957 against Bishop Auckland, wasn't it? Uh, a few years down the line, and uh, Keith Samuels arrives at the club. Little did he know that uh, nearly 250 appearances later and 115 goals later, he'd be representing the club up front, and uh, been catching up with him to find a bit about find out a bit about uh, how he became a wanderer. It's quite a long story, actually, because I used to live in um, a t- place called Wallington near Croydon in Surrey. And I only used to play local football with uh, my mates and that. And I used to work in a printing company. And a guy came and uh, onto the management there, and um, he, he he walked with a limp. So obviously I got talking to him and that, and we talked about football and that. And he used to play for for Liverpool in the reserve side. And the manager then was Don Welsh. They won the Central League, I think. I've got the story right. And he, obviously, in those days, you went out and celebrated. And um, he was in a car crash. And he lost the bottom part of his leg at the age of 21. He said to me, oh, well, I, I understand you play football, you know. And I said, yeah. So he said, oh, I'll come and watch you one Saturday then. So he came over and watched me one Saturday. And he said to me, he said, oh, I think he said you could play in better, better football than you're playing in now. I said, well, no, I enjoy playing with my mates, go to the pub afterwards, have a couple of pints, you know. And um, he said, well, he said, Don Welsh is manager of Wickham Wanderers now. He said, I'll try and arrange for you to have a, a trial in the reserve side when they play over near Croydon. So to cut a long story short, he arranged for me to play uh, for the reserves at Bromley. I had a, quite a good game, scored a couple of goals. Um, there was a couple of committee men there. They said to me, well, what, what, you know, what do I work? I said, well, I work in the print. I'm working at a printing company. So he said, um, oh, there's a big printing company in Wickham called Harrison's. So I said, oh. So they said, how would you mind moving down? I said, well, my wife's expecting a baby at the moment, I said. So they said, well, why don't you come down and have a look and see what it's like? I didn't drive in those days, so got on a train from Croydon, came down to Wickham. Don Welsh met me at the station, took me up to Lokes Park. We had a look round. And to cut a long story short, I managed to get another job through the trade union that I was in. And I ended up um, a Wickham Wanderers player. <laughs> so if it hadn't have been for the guy coming to start at the company where I used to work, I would never have come to Wickham Wanderers. So it's a great story, isn't it? And like you say, such a such a fortuitous sort of yeah, set of circumstances. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just one of those things that um, I never dreamt of. You know, I mean, I never dreamt of playing. Um, you know, in in sort of top amateur football because I obviously in those days, as, as I said, I was I think I was twenty twenty one then, and um, I just came down and everybody made me welcome, and I you know I, I think I played my first game with Don Welsh's manager when I think I played at Walthamstow Avenue. Lem Worley couldn't play. He was injured. So I think I played on the right wing against Walthamstow Avenue and um, I think that was my first game. And then after that, um, I played in the reserves for for a while and then uh, managed to get into the first team and um, luckily kept my place there for a few years. So had some great times great memories, played with some great players, Lem Worley, Paul Bates, John Maskell in goal, Peter Sudderby, Tony Horseman, all great players, and um, I was lucky to be able to play with them, you know, because I, 
I, I used to be sort of a workhorse that used to do a lot of work and um, up and down in those days you was an inside forward. You did a lot of work running, getting the ball, fetching, laying things on and all that. So yes, um, as I say, I've got memories. I think the first goal I ever scored for Wickham was against Corinthian Casuals. And the funny thing about it was, when I was in, playing in Croydon, I played a representative game for Croydon against Arnhem. And one of the guys, the goalkeeper, was the same guy that played in for us for Croydon, was the same guy that played in goal for Corinthian Casuals when I scored my first goal against him. So, you know, I knew him from those days, you know. And... Um, yeah, I, uh, as I say, I've had some great times. Um, well, obviously, there's games that I remember. I mean, it's one of the ones that really sticks in my mind is um, when we played Bedford in the FA Cup. You know, we played four times. We had three replays. We drew, I think, one all at Lokes Park. Then we went to, I think it was called the Erie then at um, Bedford. We drew three all there. Then we came back and we played on the. We they tossed a coin to see who would play the next game at home or away. I think we won the toss. Played at Lokes Park. It never stopped raining for about I don't know how long. So we started the game. We got to full time and it was one all. And the referee says right, extra time. So we had extra time and he he said to me, I'm going to blow the whistle to kick off. He said, and then. Just kick the ball out of touch. He said, I'm going to abandon the game. So there was about eight and a half, nine thousand people in the ground then. Well, I've never known it's a silent at Lokes Park. I, he, he whistled. I kicked the ball out and nobody knew what was happening because they, they, they sort of looked at me and said, what's he done that for? And then the referee just blew the whistle, abandoned the game and off we went. And then we played, um, we went to... Um, Bedford again, and we lost 3-2 in the in the fourth game. But uh, it's a bit different. The, the FA Cup was a bit different then to what it is today, where there's you know extra time and penalties and just one game. And we had four that year. Another one that sticks out in my mind is when we played Barking. Um, John Maskell got injured in the first ten minutes, and he had to go to hospital and have six stitches in his eye above his eye. And um, I went in goal. After 10 minutes, we we carried on with 10 men because we thought that John might come back and be able to go in goal, but he he couldn't come back because he had concussion. So Martin Priestley came on, who was the first sub that Wickham ever used. I think that was 1966. And um, we won 4-1. I let one goal in, but we managed to score four, so... That was another time I played 80-odd 80, 80 minutes in goal for Wickham, <laughs> which was something that I never thought I'd ever have to do. No, um, you played, played right wing and also hit in goal as well. Yeah, know? yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, um, as I say, I, I, I was a sort of... Um, always, when I played, I always wanted to give 100%. You know, I was never one of these that sort of tried to hide during a game. Even if you're having a bad... I was having a bad game, you know, I still wanted to give 100%, but... Um, and hopefully I did. But as I say, going back a little bit on the story, the first time that I saw Lokes Park and I saw the slope from it's about 14 foot from the top to the bottom, you know, across the pitch, I couldn't believe how they played football on it, you know. Um, a lot of people used to say, well, you know, you must find it all. Well, we never took any notice of it. We just went out there and played. Yeah, other teams... The problem was on a heavy day with the heavy ball we used to play with, if you were down the bottom side, trying to get a cross in from the bottom side was hard work because the ball was so heavy and going up the slope as well. But then the other way, coming down from the top, made it a lot easier. I went on a couple of tours with Wickham. We went to Amsterdam. We went to Colella. Well, as I say, I I thoroughly enjoyed my, what, six and a half, seven years at Wickham. Um... In 1968, when, well, Barry Darville took over from um, Don Welsh's manager, I think that was round about 65, something like that. He made me captain in 1968, I think it was. I was captain there until, obviously, Brian Lee came. I played a few games, well, 
I think half a season or something like that when Brian was there, and then obviously um, he um, started getting the better players in, like John Delaney and Keith Searle, and I sort of um, that was it. We we didn't have a, he, he got rid of the reserve side, so there was no reserve side to play in. So I think he had a squad of about 18 players, and. Um, I never managed to get into those 18 after a little while with, with Brian. So, um, yeah, so that ended my career at Wickham. Overall, I I really thoroughly enjoyed my time at Wickham and I was honoured to play for them, you know. I mean, um, great club, always, you know, great committee there, managers. I mean, Don Welsh, he was only there a couple of, about another year after I started there and Barry Darvel took over. Barry was there from for about four four or five seasons I think and he was then Brian Lee came and it was a different kettle of fish because Barry very easy going very um, one of the lads sort of thing and but um, Brian he brought in a lot of discipline and we used to go training over at Bissom Abbey twice a week which you know was great because we you know we used to start pre-season training and we all used to jump in the river at the, instead of having a shower or whatever, going <laughs> go in the river for a swim afterwards. And uh, Brian, obviously Brian, I still see him now, and I still see there's six of us who play golf on a Thursday: Les Merrick, Colin Bunting, Martin Priestley, Keith Searle, Vince Faulkner, and myself, who all played together in the 1960s. Uh, the, you know, towards beginning of the 1960s and at the end of the 1960s. So we still keep in touch. I still keep in touch with John Maskell, Barry Baker. So I've still got a lot of connections with the players that I used to play with. Hopefully it will go on for a little bit longer. <laughs> Getting a bit old <laughs> in the tooth now, but there we are. It's fantastic that you still keep in touch 50 years later. Yeah, that's it. You know, a lot of people can't believe that because you find a lot of clubs that players just go off to their different areas, you know, and that's it. And, I mean, it's not as if we all live together in Wickham. I mean, uh, Keith Searle lives in Milton Keynes. Martin Priestley lives in Dunstable. Vince Faulkner lives in Buckingham. Les Merrick lives at uh, Bledlow Ridge. Colin Bunting and myself, we both live at Hazelmere. He lives up um, off the other side of Hazelmere from where I live. But, um, yeah, it's great, you know, and as I say, we, I still go to the games at home, go to away games. Went to Sunderland last year uh, when we got hammered 4-0. Went up there for the weekend, four of us, Barry Baker, Vince Faulkner, my son drove, and myself. So we went up there and spent the weekend in Sunderland. I've been to Villa Park, um, Northampton, Oxford. We go to a lot of the way games. I mean, we had them all. We had them all mapped out for this season where we were going to go, but obviously with COVID, that's all um, gone by the board now. Of course, it must have been fantastic though to follow follow the club's progress, but also you know to where they are now, considering oh, yeah. well, from, I mean, from when I, you it's played. Great that they where they are, you know, and, all, and I'm, also I'm glad that they've they've picked up, you know, to where because the first seven games we really struggled and lost them, but um, hopefully we can start picking up a few wins at home, and if we can still get the you know the draws away from home, we should be all right and be able to you know stay in the league, but. Um, that's, that's, that's you know that that remains to be seen, but I think that Gareth has he has brought in some uh, you know good signings, um, you know, and, and the the thing about Wickham is that they you know it doesn't matter who you talk to up there the old the the players of today they they just say that it's the best dressing room that they've ever been in at any club, and the camaraderie between the players. You know, it's great, and um, we had that when I played. You know, it always seems that Wickham was a club where you went to, and there was never any sort of animosity between any of the players. We all got on, we all enjoyed our own, you know, our, each other's company. We had a good social life up there, but um, yes, and so as I say, I'm I'm on the with the ex-players. We have a we have four um, functions every year. We have a quiz night. 
We have a bowls day down at Wickham Bowls Club. We have a golf day, which is at Winter Hill. And we have the annual dinner, which is normally in November at, um, up at the ground in the um, Caledonian suite. So um, I still see a lot of the, you know, players from, and, you know, people like um, Jeff Anthony, who was a Welsh international. He played when I played. He lives in America. He always flies over from America, just come to the dinner to see all the players that he used to play with and that, you know. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a sort of club that I think once you're connected with it, you sort of, you're there for the rest of your life. Did it feel really special when you joined? Because I guess, you know, it was the, sort of the early 60s. It wasn't too long after the, the famous 57 final. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, I mean, I only, I only ever played, um, I think, I played a, a game at Sutton and, and um, Dennis Syrup played in goal, who was the goalkeeper in those days. Um, and, but all those old guys as well, you know, the older guys, they always made you welcome. You know, you were never sort of an outsider. Although, you know, I, I came from Croydon. They used to call me the up-the-roader, you know, because I came, didn't come from round Wickham. And that was another thing in those days. The majority of the team all lived in or around Wickham, whereas now, obviously, it's a different, because it's a pro game and that, they come from all corners of the, you know, of the country to, to come to Wickham. I mean, I, I think I was the one that came from furthest away. I think John, John Beck and uh, Barry Baker came from Slough. Len Worley came from Chalfont. Other than that, oh, John Maskell and Ian Rundle t- came from uh, Oxford. But um, other than that, most of us lived in Wickham, and you know, and, and you knew all the supporters. You know, you'd sort of go into Wickham, and they'd stop and have a chat with you and say, "Oh, that was a good win on Saturday," or, you know, it was what happened Saturday when you lost, or you know. Um, but as I say, it's it's one of those things that once you've been connected with the club, you want to stay connected with the club. And uh, say, I've missed since COVID, obviously. Um, we have um, ex-players committee meetings once a month to discuss different things and do, you know what we're going to do and etc cetera, etc. Cetera. And we haven't had a meeting since last February, so all we've done is sort of keep in touch with um, emails and um, John Taylor sends out letters to people who haven't got um, the internet or you know or an email address, but. Uh, we all still keep in touch, you know, all the time. Um, and I bet you couldn't have imagined as well when you joined that you'd have made nearly 250 appearances for the club. Well, that's it, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. When I saw those stats, you know, somebody said to me, oh, you you, you know, 250, or nearly 250 games for the club and 115 goals. And I said, what? And they said, yeah. And I can hardly remember any of those goals. I can remember a couple other than, you know, that's about all. Because um, I think I can remember one against Kingstonian. And I think I can remember a header from a corner against Bedford. And I think I can remember the first one that I scored against um, Corinthian Casuals. And that was it. But, um, you know, I was quite proud that I did that. Because in the 60s, when I played, we we were struggling. You know, we, we weren't sort of one of the top teams in the league in those... That, I think towards the end, we ended up third or fourth in the league in about 68, 1968, something like that. But other than that, we were sort of struggling sort of nearer the bottom of the fourth or fifth from bottom in the league. So what's that happened to you after your time at the club? Obviously, it was 50 years ago, but what was it? Did, you, did you continue your football after that? I played at Chesham. For, Barry Darble went to manage Chesham afterwards. So when I left Wickham, I, I went to Chesham and played there for a couple of seasons. Can't say that it was the same as playing for Wickham, um, you know, obviously. After I left Chesham, I, I packed up them for a little while, and then I went and played one of my, Colin Bunting, who was a goalkeeper at Wickham in the early 60s, as well, late, well, late 50s, early 60s. He played for Turners in the Hellenic League, so I went there and played a couple of seasons there, and then... Um, Eventually, I ended up playing at Molins in the Wickham League with Colin and a, a load of other guys that I used to know. So, yeah, so I, uh, I did carry on a bit after Wickham, but it, it, um, 
I enjoyed it, but um, obviously um, when you're playing the sort of football I was playing in at Wickham, you know, um, it's a it's a different kettle of fish playing in uh, in the you know the Wickham Senior League or whatever it was. But I thought I still thoroughly enjoyed it. And then after I packed up football, I started doing a lot of running and um, used to do a lot of half marathons. Never got round to doing a, a full marathon. I applied for the London Marathon a few times, but never got in. Um, and um, just generally tried to keep fit. Whereas and now, even now, I um, I go out every morning. I play golf twice a week when I, you know, after obviously with COVID, with the lockdown and that. We haven't been able to play and um, go out for a walk for about four and a half miles, four, four and a half miles every morning that I don't play golf. And then um, go and see the lads on the, well, play Tuesdays and Thursdays I play golf. No, definitely. Well, it's been fantastic to speak to you. Thank you so much for your time and, and brilliant to share your stories. And I'm sure, you know, supporters will be really pleased to hear them too. Well, I hope so. I hope I haven't bored you too much, but... Uh... No, not at all. Quite the opposite. <laughs> well, thanks for inviting me um, to, um, you know, to do it. Um, something I've never done before. So hopefully um, it'll give people, you know, a few people an insight into what... Uh, what it was like to play for Wickham and what it was like for me. Really nice to hear from Keith Samuels, who uh, made uh, almost 250 appearances and scored 115 goals between 63 and 70. And we were quite interested as well about Don Welsh, um, yes. who, who managed Liverpool and Wickham Wanderers. Um, although when you actually look back, um, he, did, he did manage Liverpool in a rather lean spell for the Merseyside club. It's, it's but great to have that association, isn't it? Indeed, yes. And you do wonder one day whether Jurgen Klopp might come and end up at Adams Park. Maybe. I doubt it. Never know, though. But we, we, we've proved it could be possible. You know, Pete Kuhig's got big ambitions. Absolutely. So, yeah, you know. <laughs> one day when, when Gareth is, 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 you know, is off managing England, then maybe Jürgen will, will be the replacement. <laughs> I love the idea that people might be listening to the show in years to come and go, do you remember when they mentioned about Jürgen Klopp? Going, well, it's actually happened now. Yeah, you never know. You know. And, and again, Gareth managing England and Dobbo is his number two. Absolutely, yeah. 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 Calling to fantasy football management now. <laughs> Still that could to come. be a whole new show, couldn't it? Absolutely. Still yeah. to come, final part of the Wicked Wanderer show, we'll hear from Ian Wills, uh, who is the man behind the charity single which Gareth sings on. We'll, we'll play you a burst of that as well. And we'll get some post-match reaction from last Saturday when Wicked Wanderers took on Wayne Rooney's derby and, uh, and came away from Pipe Park with a point. Here at Wickham Sound. Love music. Love talk. Love Wickham Sound. Final part of the Wickham Wanderer show. I must say a very uh, big hello and good evening to Phil Ball, who's got in touch and saying he's very much enjoying uh, our programmes. Hello! <laughs> needs, oh, more, right, needs more rehearsal, that bit. Yeah, sorry, I'm not, really not trying to turn it into fantasy football league, <laughs> despite what you've said. <laughs> quite, quite impressed as well that you've played two trails in this show. Sorry, this won't mean to anything to anyone who's listening on the podcast. And you've been in both of them. Quite by accident, must be said. I'm quite impressed with your self-promotion. <laughs> Yeah, that's me. Yes. Uh, uh, and you're going to feature again now, uh, because earlier on today... Um, you had, <laughs> it's all about me. You had a chat to uh, Ian Wills uh, from the band Wills and the Willing, uh, which is a good name. Uh, and anyway, he uh, is the gentleman um, who has collaborated with not only Gareth Ainsworth, but also Peter Check as well, uh, on a new Christmas song called Drawing Straws. Uh, and he explained how the collaboration had come about. Somebody said to me, you know, my new album is out, London Country. And they said, you know, Ian, why, why don't you write something about this year we had? And I thought, well, do you know, you're probably right. So I sat down and I wrote the lyrics and then I thought, you know what, I'm going to do this. And um, as I say, sort of from conception to lyrics to having a song mastered in total was 12 days. Rebecca had worked on with me on London Country and Gareth, I've known for, for a long period of time, and we've tried to connect musically. You know, obviously he's done with, with what he's done with The Wanderer, and, and I first saw Gareth do a gig in 2004 at the um, Red Lion in Brentford. 
I did a, a couple of festivals and he came to see me at one of them in 2008. And we talked about then, you know, sort of trying to do something. But this just all just seemed to fall into place at the right time. And, and Gareth, you know, he's such a good guy. He, he just was, there was no harm in our, he was like, yep, yeah, let's do it. Let's make it happen. Because you associate him with, as you say, the wonder or more of rock kind of stuff, but it works really well, this, this style of song as well. When you can sing, you can sing, right? So, so I think that, that is a big plus. And the lyrics of the song have depth to them, so it makes it more easy for people to want to be involved. And as you say, it must be so pleasing to, to hear it on the radio and also to get reaction. Uh, you must have had such good feedback about it as well. No, Colin, what, what people don't fully appreciate is that every time a DJ, whether it's on a national station, local station, hospital radio station, every time they play your song, what you've given us is a gift. You've given us something that justifies what it is that we put in. And it's not a given. Every time you get a song played, uh, a track played on radio, it truly is a gift given to you by somebody else. And, yet, and it's, it is so rewarding. Especially from that initial process as well. As you say, the whole thing only took less than a fortnight. And, you know, uh, um, I think that the, the great thing is, is that um, when you have a momentum, fo- football is very much about belief, isn't it? If it doesn't matter how difficult your opponents are, if you believe you've got a chance, then that belief is quite often what carries you through the 90 minutes, even if you play really bad. And, and, and you know, believing in, in this song um, led me to want to drive it to the point that, that everybody around me was so relieved when I said, it's now mastered, they can, they can get their lives back. <laughs> And there's something really timely about speaking to you the night after, you know, fans are returning to, to football as well. Yes, and, and you know, what, what, we, what we'd be hoping to be able to do, if it's at all possible, is to, you know, perform the song at, at the ground. And uh, I know Gareth would be up for that. And, um, and we're, trying, we're trying to see if we can do it, I think, before the, um, or during or somehow at the QPR game, because obviously they've got a lot of respect for Gareth as well. It's his time there. So it'd be brilliant if we can. So what do you hope people take from the song? Obviously, enjoyment, but it's a really nice message as well, especially at this time of year. Yeah, it is. And I think, you know, what we have here for all the Wickham fans, you have a short opportunity, because I, I, like, I liken this to Wickham v Port Vale, because Robbie Williams has chucked out his um, Christmas single, and we've put ours, so we should, have a, you know, we should have some heads of steam here and uh, try and actually get a good song in the charts this, this year. Because it is a good song. Absolutely, yeah. It'd be fantastic to have a, a proper Christmas number one, wouldn't it? Yeah. So you had Oasis Blur. Now you've got... Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, you've got Wilson William V. Um, Bobby Williams. <laughs> yeah. well, hope it doesn't get too ugly. <laughs> well, we'll we try but, but, you know, I think Gareth can still carry his weight in the boxing room. <laughs> no, absolutely. I don't know what Robbie's arrangements are currently at the moment, but that can be something to set up as well. We sort that out. <laughs> so how can people find out more about the song and also, obviously, to, to more on what you're doing as well? Yeah, so so it, it was released next Friday, December the 11th, and it will be on all digital platforms. Um, and obviously, you can want to find out what we're about as a band. The website is www.willsandthewilling.com. And, you know, the objective of this song is, is um, to actually, we, we intend to donate proceeds, all proceeds to um, particular um, dementia in sport. And um, so that's why... It's a, it's a worthy cause. Nobody's making any money and we're, we're absolutely trying our best to do something positive. It's a really great song. Uh, congratulations on, on, on it and I uh, look forward to it coming out next week. And, and thank you so much for your time. Brilliant to chat to you. For giving me the time. Fantastic to speak to Ian a little earlier on, on mid-mornings. And uh, we had a clip of the song there as well. Yeah, we did. Yeah. <laughs> Slightly by accident, but there you go. It was nice. It was good. Absolutely. It's all live here, you know. Yeah. And it's going around in my head now as well. Yeah. Do, do, do. Do, do, do. Yeah, it is good. But is that the same song you were doing? I don't, I'm not quite sure, actually. <laughs> uh, but So it doesn't come out until... Next Friday, the 11th. Okay, yeah, so do look out for it. Uh, and and try that, you know, let's try and get it as high up the charts as we possibly can. Drawing Straws. Indeed. Featuring Gareth Ainsworth and Patacek. That's something not, you don't, didn't think you'd say it very often. Not Wayne Rooney. No. Oh, that leads us nicely, though, into... It does, rather, doesn't it? Into, <laughs> into Wayne last Rooney's Saturday. Derby. How yes. was your trip to Derbyshire? Uh, it, was, it was very good. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, nice ground, Pride Park. Yeah. Um, you know, as we say about so many of them in the Championship, apart from maybe Luton. Uh, <laughs> it, you know, it is, it's, it's definitely a ground that really should be hosting Premier League football. 
Um, but, uh, you know, I, I thought um, that we competed very well. Uh, as Gareth has said, definitely I don't think Derby will be down at the bottom of the table uh, probably come the end of the season, although I'm not necessarily sure that actually Wayne Rooney is the right man, um, no. even though Gareth does seem to think that, you know, that yes, that he'll probably sort them out. But I don't know. It, it's one of those where you sort of think uh, the, the situation that they're in and the fact that they've sort of said, oh, you know, we're going to have four coaches in charge and then it's sort of now become, oh, well, Wayne Rooney is going to be sort of like the head coach and they brought in Steve McLaren. It's all, it's a bit messy and they're waiting for this takeover. You know, I think if the takeover happens, then I think maybe the people taking over will just actually think, let's have a new broom come in. Um, but anyway, uh, the, the, going back to us, you know, it was it, it was a, a decent game, uh, definitely a decent point, um, and I'm very much yes, it was Matt Broomfield's goal. Um, even though when I spoke to him afterwards, uh, Ryan Allsop was heckling him, saying it was definitely not his goal. Something really nice about coming from behind as well and, and getting a point. Still. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, again, really, really impressive. You know, we didn't quite manage to do what we did to Birmingham, but we we didn't, you know, we were, we weren't far away. We were definitely in those final moments. You know, we we did have a few chances. Fantastic and great to see, um, you know, individual players doing so well as well. Yeah, I, you know, the, I mean, right through the team. Uh, and again, I think we said this last week, but actually, you know, and I, I'm not, I'm not being rude about the lone players. But actually, if you ignore the lone players and you look at some of the players that have been at Wickham a long Don't ignore time, the lone players. you know, it's amazing. You of know, course, Anthony Stewart, you know, being, you know, was there on the pitch at Torquay, mm. you know, and, and is stepping up, you know, and, and is performing in the Championship. Scotty Cashkett, you know. Go, going through the experience that he went through at Leighton Orient and just looks like a, a championship player. You know, he is a championship player, but, you know, he looks like he belongs in this division. Uh, you know, and then somebody like Matt Bloomfield. And, you know, and uh, on Saturday at Derby, Blooms and Bayo came on. 75 years worth of experience. Um, and, you know, and, and really and changed the game for Wickham. You know, the, the, it, it was vital that they came on. Um, and when they did, yes, you know, suddenly, actually, we, we looked so much better because the first half, we, you know, we, we we definitely need to find uh, an alternative to Bayo because I, I think one of the things, and I think Gareth would even agree with this, that actually, you know, we do maybe rely on him a little bit too much to sometimes get us out of trouble. Uh, I think we probably saw it last night as well against Stoke. Uh, you know, we, we need to find a way to be able to play without him. Uh, but once him and Blooms came on on Saturday against Derby, you know, we, we were a different side. For the benefit of the tape, I was nodding. Yes, you were. That's we'll hear true. from the Wickham captain in a few moments' time, but first, uh, manager Gareth Ainsworth speaking to Bob after the game. Gareth, another another great point. <laughs> Fantastic point. You know, this is a, an unbelievable football club in us. Uh, um, with Wayne Rooney taking over um, as the actual one in charge, they've had that bounce of him. You know, a fantastic player, and, and I'm sure he'll be a good manager. So, I think that's a, that's a magnificent point away from home. Although we could have made it three. You know, Gareth McLear's shot is so close. But Ryan also had to make a couple of crucial saves as well. So I'm not uh, I'm not blue tinted glasses today. I'm realistic, and a point's probably a fair result. What about uh, Curtis Thompson? Because obviously he went off injured in the first half. How's he doing? Yeah, it was in a big mess for us, you know. Gapey, losing Gapey at the weekend's huge. And then losing Curtis as well, and Dennis, I think. We're, but at one stage, we had Alex Patterson, Dennis and Anis Mamete in midfield. It's a very young midfield. I mean, it's, it's testament to where we've come as a club, you know, to be able to put those young lads out in there and uh, ask them to do a job in the Championship. But I thought second half we needed some experience, so Bayo and Blooms coming on was crucial for me. Fred's made another great impact. And uh, I felt for Scotty and... Uh, uh, and Anis a little bit they were more victims of the, the, the team performance rather than individual performances and uh, and you know I'm sure we'll pick them up again but it's a, it's a fantastic point and uh, unbeaten in quite a few games now and I think we've only lost one in seven which is a magnificent record to have in the championship no one would ever have thought that stat would come true um, but I'm really pleased and uh, hopefully we can start turning some of these draws into wins and fantastic as well that you can bring on 75 years worth of experience I think in, in Blooms and Bayo <laughs> oh, it needed it at half time I spoke to them both and said look are we uh, are we good for 45 year two and both of them said we are we are good for more than 45 gaffer and uh, like I said I think we also the, the impact of Akin um, I think he's disappointed he didn't score himself but um, it's, uh, it's a great point in, uh, in what is a tough game has Wayne Rooney been coming to you for, for any advice, any tips? <laughs> Absolutely not, no. He's, uh, he's got a, a wealth of experience and played for probably the greatest manager that there ever was and, uh, and I'm sure he's got, he's got a lot of his own ideas what he wants to do. Um, we have to fight and scrap. He, he's, he's got 
he's got some big names on uh, his disposal you know some real quality players I have to give him massive respect for changing the team up today and, and putting some players in that hadn't played for a long time and uh, and they've, they've delivered for him um, I think it's a good stepping stone and like I say I'm not going to about to put myself in any any comparison with Wayne Rooney um, all I can say is that it's enjoy it and uh, and you know there's always another game must be really interesting actually for Gareth to be um, well not compared but going up against uh, a pl- someone of Wayne Rooney's calibre as a player but quite untested in the dugout yes completely uh, and I think probably you think that even though you probably don't say it I, I don't think you're thinking oh wow you know it's Wayne Rooney he's got all of this playing experience I think you maybe think oh you know managerially wise you know he's probably not you know, he's still finding his way, shall mm. we say. Now, you know, completely appreciate the fact that he's obviously, um, you know, been managed by some of the finest managers and clearly you're going to pick something up. But at the same time, yeah, if, if I was Gareth, I would be thinking. And, and as I said earlier as well, you know, a very messy and strange situation at Derby where they, you know, said, messy. right, OK, we're going to have four players in charge uh, or, basically, you know, four, four people in charge in the interim after Koku got sacked. Um, then saying, oh, we're going to bring in Steve McLaren as well. You know, it, it's not somewhat, you know, you want clarity, I think, as a player um, and as a manager as well. And clearly they haven't got it at the moment. It's a very accurate assessment, I think. Uh, Bob spoke to Matt Blinford after the game as well. Uh, so first of all, how are you? Because obviously you, you you had quite a lot of treatment at the end. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Um, there's a bit of blood um, banged to the head, but I feel absolutely fine. There's no concussion or anything, so um, yeah, all is good. There's just a bit of blood, that's all. Uh, and there was a desperate scramble to get you on at the end, which didn't actually happen, and, and the referee wasn't letting you on, which was so frustrating. No, it was frustrating. I think that's probably partly my fault. Um, I needed to be assessed by the fourth official before I was allowed to be back on, but in my enthusiasm and uh, uh, eagerness to get back on the pitch, I kind of jumped the gun a little bit. So luckily, it, I just I was just worried about us conceding with ten men. So I wanted to get back on, but um, luckily that didn't happen. And obviously the ref blew for full time. So we took a point, but um, I'm slightly disappointed. I thought we could have got all three. You know, we had some good chances. Um, I know we cleared one off the line from their corner, but um, the big man took one on his chest and, and and just went wide. And then Gareth McCleary's strike was was unreal. Like what a strike that was. So good save from their goalie. So it's just. You know, it would have been nice to come on and, and, and take all three points, but we'll take a point coming back from one down at half-time. And what about you? Uh, was it your goal? Because I understand there was a little bit of controversy about that. The evidence looks like it was my goal. Um, Fred done great at the back stick, come back across, and I just wanted to make sure it went over the line. It's not about, you know, whether it's my goal or not, and I'm just really proud to get back on the pitch for, for Wick and Wanderers, and, you know, I love playing my football here, so it's just nice to, it's a nice moment to come on and get a goal and, and us to get a point. Great to hear from Matt Bloomfield as well, obviously uh, claiming him a goal as, as he should. Yes, um, uh, one point to make with regards to, uh, first of all, obviously he was fine with regards to his mm. injury. Um, I did speak, speak to Curtis Thompson last night uh, in the car park. In the Just, car park. Uh, no, yet again. Uh, um, uh, the, the people that I've spoken to in the car park, so Pete Kuhig and now Curtis Thompson. Um, <laughs> uh, and anyway, uh, he did say that he probably won't be making um, the trip on Saturday. Um, to Preston uh, because he has tweaked his hamstring but he does hope to be back very very soon Um, and you know you just begin to think actually it it is getting a little bit concerning the amount of injuries Um, so the fact that obviously Curtis, Dominic Gape um, you know it's beginning to slightly mount up Mm. in the midfield Um, uh, Jason McCarthy obviously also going off last night with a shoulder injury uh, making his 100th appearance as well um, in a uh, light and dark blue shirt not quite the way that he would have wanted that to have ended um, but interesting as well that last night yes we did have to, to bring two players back um, who have been on loan um, just to you know just to make sure that we could fill the bench um, so clearly we're, we're slightly stretched at the minute and we could definitely do with some you know um, so I, I think maybe referees protecting our players a little bit more because definitely with regards to Jason McCarthy there, there was something that was going on um, and the, during the corner um, some sort of tussle that did result in him uh, I think probably putting his uh, shoulder out so um, all, all the very best to him and to Curtis and to Dominic Gape as well. We want to see them back as soon as possible. How do you think Preston will go? Um, interesting, interesting question because they are incredibly inconsistent at the moment. Um, so they seem to have a very good win and, and then they, they lose. Um, so um, recent results, um, they beat Reading 3-0. Um, then lost to Rotherham 2-1 uh, beat Sheffield Wednesday 1-0 then went down to Blackburn 3-0 uh, lost to Watford 4-1 uh, but then beat AFC Bournemouth away on Tuesday night 3-2 so you can't really tell what you're going to get with them Will you need to concentrate when going to Preston? 
Uh, probably not, no, because it's, you know, it's a nice and easy up the M40, uh, up the M6. You don't really have to think about it. <laughs> Whereas Norwich, you really do. Whereas Norwich, you do have to think about it. Yes, I'm glad, glad I'm not doing Norwich again this weekend. You've got a northern road trip coming up, haven't you? Indeed, really? yes. So it's, uh, it's now uh, Preston on Saturday and then Barnsley on Tuesday night, which, again, that's, you know, that, that, that's a bit of a long trek. But you'll get a warm welcome. Uh, I would imagine that probably we will, yes. <laughs> Hope you've enjoyed the show. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, check out the podcast as well. And um, join us next week at the same time for the Wickham Wanderer Show here at Wickham Sound. <laughs> <laughs>